the songs we're singing, for many of us, it just, I, you know, I can close my eyes at any point in time during, as I'm singing these songs and, and have images that, that are very important to me. My, my imagination of what was happening at the resurrection of Jesus, as well as places in my life that were really dark, where I experienced that on a personal level. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start just with answering a simple question, then we're going to get into a couple of stories, one out of the Scripture and a, and a couple out of my family. So who is Jesus, and why is His death, burial, and resurrection important to us? So Jesus is like no other, God and man. And He felt everything we feel. He was tempted in every way. We were tempted but he lived a perfect life. And his unjust execution was the only way that you and I could be redeemed. That means to be bought back or to be exchanged from a life, like some of the stories we heard of fear, pride, hopelessness, anger. And so it's basically our messed up hearts and desires for all of us have some point in our life, have gotten us stuck in patterns, selfishness, fear, things we call sin. And he wants to trade all of that. <laughs> you know, it's just, it doesn't seem right. It's not just for the one who is perfect to be sacrificed for you and me because we know we're We don't measure up. Now, this sin is not just behaving badly, but it's really kind of our our prideful independence. It's walking around saying, you know, I really don't need you, Jesus. I'm all set. I learned that phrase when I moved to Boston a few years ago. And so here we are in this, this dilemma. We're kind of stuck. And Jesus resolves our dilemma, our failures, and all of our distance from a loving God. His perfect life exchange for us. So His death paid the price for sin for all humanity, for all time. And it's something that's not forced on you. And it's something that doesn't happen to you automatically. You get to choose. That's part of his love. It's just giving you an option. Here I am. It's not a relationship that's forced. It's open arms saying, will you receive this? You have to come to Jesus and say, I can't do this. So today's resurrection day. Woo-hoo! Now, what does that prove? His resurrection proves his identity and his power. He displayed his power over death and the enemy, so neither death nor taxes could hold Jesus down. That was yesterday, right? But we still have a couple more days to file, I think, legally. So it's tax weekend. It's marathon weekend. Let me see. Do we have any runners in the marathon? Anybody going to attempt it this week? All right. Woo! All right. Okay. Cheering them on. Welcome if you're from out of town. 
My high school friend is here. He's running the marathon. So, Paul, the Gooches, it's good to have you guys. So, this Resurrection Sunday is all about saying Jesus is divine. He's God. And it means not just that you're forgiven, but there is a power that can set you free from the destructive patterns in your life. It's power over death. So, let's read the Scripture. It's out of John chapter 19 and 20 that I'm going to be focusing today. And I'm going to go through the story relatively quickly. So, Jesus died. That's significant. He died. He didn't just swoon. He didn't just pass out. John 19, 31, now it was the day of preparation, the day before Passover. And the next day was a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. When the legs are broken, it, leaves, it actually causes them to go into congestive heart failure. They can't breathe anymore. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. So that's important for two reasons. One was it was prophesied that not one of his bones would be broken. Another is that these are professional executioners, and they are saying, he's dead. So in the 38th verse, it says, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was the one who had gone to Jesus. It's that whole passage out of John chapter 3. He went privately, but we see now that he's, he's a follower. In the 41st verse, at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. So, he was put into a tomb. He was buried. He died and he was buried. Now, I'm going to lead you through chapter 20, kind of in a paraphrase, in my own words. We get into chapter 20, and it's after the Passover, and Mary, this is Mary and Martha, that Mary, went to the tomb and found it empty. And she doesn't immediately think he's risen. She thinks they've stolen, somebody's done a trick. They've stolen his body. And she runs and finds Peter and John, and she says, he's gone. And they all three run to the tomb. And Peter and John go in there. There's no body there. There's, there's no physical evidence. There were, uh, so what's going on? So they're, they're all kind of in shock at this point in time. They, all of the information hasn't really clicked in place for them. Peter and John take off, and Mary's still there, and then who she thinks is the garden, gardener comes up behind her, and he speaks her name, Mary. She doesn't recognize him physically. He's, in Isaiah 53, it says he's just been marred. His body has taken so much pressure that he's unrecognizable. But she knows his voice. She responds, 
And she runs and tells the other disciples, he is risen. Later on that day in the evening, everybody but Thomas, it seems, is in a room. The door is locked. They're still afraid, and Jesus appears in that room. He's got a resurrected body. He can touch. He can be touched, but uh, he can also walk through walls. This is kind of interesting. And he speaks to them, and he, he comforts them. Now, the disciples tell Thomas, you know, you weren't there, but this is what happened. And he is still in such confusion and pain, he says, I can't really accept this until I put my hands in his wounds, until I see him. Well, it's kind of an amazing thing. I, I appreciate Thomas. Something about this story can relate to, to someone in this room or many of us here. Jesus went specifically to him who was really struggling with this, and he said, touch me. I'm not a ghost. Died, buried, resurrected. Now, some people had been raised from the dead. We have a couple of accounts of that in the Old Testament. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but he broke the power of death, and he never died again. Those other people were raised from the dead. They got a reprieve a few more years on earth, but this resurrected Jesus never succumbed to death. Paul has an account of this in 1 Corinthians 15 three through eight. Now, Paul saw Jesus also. He wasn't like the original disciples, but he had a revelation on the road to Damascus. And this, these few verses kind of are a concise presentation, again, of the gospel. The gospel is this good news. It's a story. It's a real… It's not a story like a myth or a fable. It is an account of history. And Paul is saying, what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. They were witnesses. They saw Him though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So this is solid history. You know, I, as I was preparing for this message, I, I started getting into different books on the proof of resurrection, and, and uh, you know, I'm thinking, here I am in Boston, how many PhDs are in the crowd, how many different skeptics do we deal with? You know, I'm just going to blast people with information. Bam, 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 impressive debater. And uh, then I thought, you know, this, it's, it's not really an argument. If I argue with someone and I win the argument, often I don't win. A person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. We're not forcing this on anybody. 
But I can tell you that there are not many historians that deny that Jesus of Nazareth was a real person on this earth. That is valid history. And his resurrection is not only proven by his own story, by the Scriptures and the people who of more than 5,000 accounts came together to put these stories together, and 99.5% accuracy. If someone's arguing about a bit or that's off place, there's amazing, there's nothing else like it, the historical accuracy of the Bible, of who Jesus is, what happened in his life. And then we have something else, evidence in our lives. These stories, I met Jesus, and he changed me. I love the personal stories. Darian, Kelly, Gideon, Leah, whoop. So beautiful. When we come to Jesus, he, he breaks all of that hopelessness, fatherlessness, depression, pride. Now, we're not fixed forever, but we have, a, a reg, we have access to come to him, to touch us, and to change us consistently. So, as I talk about this, again, we're not going back to a moral code, a set of rules. We're going back to a relationship. It's a person. And that's why we have an experience. It's not just an intellectual connection. There's an experience we have. You know, it's, uh, and it's the whole concept of an argument. Does God exist? Is Jesus the Son of God? I love James's, James in the book of James' response. He said, you say you have faith, for you believe that God is one, good for you. The demons believe that. The, everything in the spirit realm knows that is real. That's not what changes a person. It is this intimate relationship. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple of family stories. I got permission from my son on this one yesterday. So, uh, my son's 24. He's married. He lives in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, Antioch Church there put out uh, 17,000 eggs yesterday, and they had 2,000 people show up to look for these eggs. So he was exhausted. It was the end of the day. He said he'd put together 500 hot dogs for this event. So uh, anyway, he's, uh, he's in the middle of all that, and, and, and I'm thinking about today, and I remember a story from when he was in the 11th grade. We were... Our family lived in Indonesia for 10 years. We were on the island of Timor and uh, in Kupang. Excuse me. We lived in Java. We were in March on a high school trip, kind of a mission trip, uh, out to some of the eastern islands called uh, Timor. And uh, during the day, there's all kinds of events that happen. We did some construction, taught English. It's kind of a remote area, so it's a little exotic. We moved from exotic to exotic-er in our experience there. And in the evenings, you had services. And uh, so we gathered people together and invited them in, and people would tell stories. And so my son was asked to give his testimony. And we're thinking, that's great, you know, walking through the day. And about an hour before the service, he comes up to me and he said, Dad, 
I'm really, you know, I'm really bothered. I need to talk to you. So I said, great, great. Let's, let's take a walk. It's already dark. It is really dark out there. It's beautiful, and there's not much, there's not much unnatural light. There's no electric light, really, in this area we are. So the sky is clear, bright stars like you can only see in remote areas. And we're talking, and he said, they asked me to give a testimony. I don't have a testimony. I don't have a story. And I said, okay, let's talk about this. Now, we know our children pretty well, so we knew there were a couple of gaps. And although he'd had some experiences previous to this, I'd not seen uh, all the lights clicking in a little bit there. So I'm not totally shocked as he's telling me this. And I just kind of talk him through this whole thing. We have a, this is wonderful. Man, my son is coming to me in deep honesty. Awesome. And he's saying, I don't have a story. I don't have anything to tell these people. So I walked him through the story again. And I prayed with him. And then I said, you need to go out there, take a walk down that road right there, and go get a story. If you will ask him, he'll reveal himself to you. Now, uh, he didn't show up at the service that night. He just took a long walk. <laughs> so, blank spot in the regular pattern of the service. But he came back. And he said, I have a story now. Jesus met me. And from that time, when he's 17, the trajectory has been amazing. He graduated from school. He joined YWAM, did missions for a year. He's come back, and he's an evangelist. He's, he's uh, it's, yeah, I'm proud of my son. He's got a story. When I was a, a freshman in college, again, I uh, church background, been in a lot of services, a lot of different Christian events, but it, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to tell at times what's going on, but I knew I did not have a relationship. I was not walking in a relationship with Jesus at that time. It was pretty dull, pretty cold, whatever may have been there at one point in time was pretty empty. And a friend of mine got stood up for a date and so I got the ticket, the extra ticket to a concert. <laughs> and it turns out it's a Christian concert. And uh, this group that I didn't know anything about, totally not into all that, they were called the Imperials. And this guy named Russ Taff was a super dynamic guy. And I'm uh, at the end of the, the whole thing. He just starts preaching. And there's an intensity. There's more like all of a sudden, boom, reality just kind of peels back. And I'm having this feeling like it's just him and I in the room. Everything's kind of going fuzzy on me. And he reads a passage of Scripture. He, he didn't read it. He just flat starts preaching. And he says out of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 517, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
that God, what is this ministry? That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He's calling you home. God made him who knew no sin to be sin, that you might become the righteousness of God. He's talking, he said, when Jesus changes your life, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. He said that, that word can be new creation. is like a new species of being that's never existed before. And, you know, I'm a preacher's kid. I've, I've heard some of these things before, but I wasn't just hearing it then. I was experiencing it. I was getting a story at that moment. And it changed me. I stood up in that meeting, and it was it's like all kinds of things are going on, cool concert, blah, blah, blah. And I just remember standing up and going, I'm going to walk with you, Jesus. And I did. I started doing the things I'd heard my whole life in Sunday school that never did, that I thought everybody else was doing but me, you know, kind of sliding through, you know, they're all, they're all reading their Bibles. They're all praying. They're all obeying the rules. I knew I wasn't. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start being in your word every day. Teach me how to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to figure out what it means to obey you. Many times in my life, you know, it's, 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 it's a roller coaster emotionally. But I can tell you, I've had profound experiences with him hundreds of times. It wasn't just a one-time thing back there somewhere, and I agree with this information. I'm reciting the creed. I had experience, and I've continued to have something that is a relationship, not information. At my lowest points, there's a a passage in Matthew, at the end of Matthew 7, where Jesus is talking to Peter and all his disciples are going away from him. And he, he turns to Peter and says, do you want to go too? And he turns to the Lord and he says, where can I go? Only you have the words of eternal life. So that's, that's one of my most common phrases in, in really, really dark times. Where else can I go? Only you have the words of eternal life. So, I want to ask you, do you have a story? Do you have a fresh story? If someone asked you, what's your story, how do you respond? You say, well, I agree with this information. I went to these, these meetings. I, my family was like this. Well, those are all good things. What about you? What's your story? Have you, do you have a story you can tell? Jesus changed me. He, I, you know, I can't prove this empirically. I can't, can't show you pictures. I can't give you the sight, sounds, and smells. I met him. He's real. There's something more real than what we can see. There is a creator God. He has a son, Jesus Christ. He loves us. 
want to invite the band up here. I'm going to worship a little bit, and I'll ask you just a couple of questions. And this is a time where we respond. In our services, it's not, you know, it is complicated. I can tell all the chairs are kind of facing that way, so it doesn't feel like a conversation that much. And no one has yelled back at me very much during the service. Go ahead, a couple of you start yelling something, amen, or hey, way to go, or oh my, or ouch, or something, you know, you can, we can interact a little bit. But... This is, this is the opportunity. It's your turn. And I've many, many times in my life where I was the one sitting and listening, I've been, something has been happening in my heart that may or may not be totally tracking with what I'm hearing at that time, but God is working in my life. I can feel it. Sometimes it's like my, my pulse is starting to race or, uh, you know, kind of like, uh-oh, what's going on here? And if, if that's you right now, you just say, say yes. I'm not, I don't know that I understand this, but I, I just want to open up a door. I want to open up an opportunity. I, w- I want to stop resisting whatever is going on here and say yes for a little bit. And just like I told my son, go get a story. Jesus is real. I'm not worried about telling you that. I believe he's more real than I am. So I, I think... He can handle himself. He can handle you telling him bad things. He can handle your anger. He can handle your disappointment. So for some of us, there's that deep, deep, deep thing inside of you is disappointment with God himself. Something where you feel like you've been betrayed or misled. And he, I don't care if you, if you call yourself a Christian, If you need that spot, that reality right now, he can handle it. He can deal with you. He doesn't freak out when you're emotional, when you're confused, when you're vulnerable. He will not mistreat you. Why don't we stand up right now? So here's... here's, you know, you, if, if Jesus has you, the Holy Spirit has you on a track right now, just go with it. But I'm going to give you a couple of options. For some of you who are saying, okay, I'm hearing the stories, wow. I want a story. Then I... It's, it's really not a complicated thing. It's what you do with a relationship. You start talking conversation and if you're talking to yourself no no one here is going to think you're crazy okay you're going to say they're they're having a conversation right now so that conversation if you if you need just a little bit of direction goes something like this Jesus here I am You know me better than I know myself. You've seen every attempt that I've made at trying to fix me. I give up. I come to you. And I agree with who you are. You're God. 
and I'm not. Isn't that good news? You're not God? Woo! Pressure off of your shoulders. But there is one who you can trust. He's God. So, simple. Recognize who you are. Recognize who he is. And then you just say, here I am. On a silver platter, Jesus, I give you me. And then you receive. That's that great exchange I was talking about. You don't just say, I'm bad, and walk away. You say, come and live your life in me. Be all that you are. Make that real. And whatever doubts you have at that moment, just take a risk right now. Just take a risk. This is a good day for new beginnings. Easter is about resurrection, new beginnings. So let today be a brand new beginning for you. You're, take a risk right now. And I'm, so I'm going to just pray that right For those of you right now, you say, I want to take that risk. I want, I want to say yes, Jesus, for the first time. You see that? Here, here I am, Jesus. Everything about me, you know everything. I give you my life. Just let him continue to search your heart. And then at some point, you are God. Ah, my mind fights. I, don't, I can't see this. I can't smell it right now, but I, there's a reality I'm searching out for. And I, so I, I admit it. This story is real. Living my life. Ask him for the reality of that right now. Come and live in my life, Jesus. In a little bit, if that's, if you did that, if you prayed along with me, if that was something that you just now experienced, there's a table in the back. People are going to be there that would like to talk with you. We've got Bibles, different things. Answer questions. We'd love to just, you know, it's not like this one-time thing. It, it's just what we are. We're a community of believers that are trying to figure this out, learning more and more, more about how to walk this out. Now, I want you all to close your eyes now. This may be relevant to more of you. You need a fresh story. It's grown dull. It's, it is something is not dynamic and living and active. And we do this many times in our life. And there's no shame in this. It's beautiful. Humility saying, I need a fresh story, Jesus. If that's you, I want you just to put your hand up and put it back down. That's a prayer. I need a fresh story. I need a fresh story. I need a fresh story. Jesus, it's grown dull. I need a fresh story. Make it real to me today. Give me a new story, Jesus. Not old information. I want something alive that comes out of my mouth with excitement that is eager. It's like, yes. I have a ready answer. As we worship, just take that into prayer for a little bit here, okay? We're take just to we'll sing one more song. We'll be finished. We're gonna celebrate some more the rest of this day. But take this song and pray it. Or use whatever words God gives you, okay? Let's worship.